Trust in our Bill of Rights is the freedom to hear uncensored ideas and opinions, to think your own thoughts, and to say what's on your mind. We couldn't have liberty without it. Now, more than ever, it's good to spout off, to listen, debate, and participate. Here's your host of Spouting Off, commentator, columnist, and all-around rabble-rouser, Karen Cataline. Well, welcome everybody to a Friday. We made it to Friday. If you are happy, I have some friends that call it Party Friday. I don't know if I'm quite ready to party yet, but yay, Friday. Um, and so it is good to have you along on this Friday as we wrap up not only a news week, but a uh, a, a uh, roller coaster ride in politics and the midterms, but I want to take a little bit of time to pay tribute to the day that uh, to today. It's 11 11 2022. It's Veterans Day. And uh, I, I, I'm almost embarrassed in a way. I wanted to make sure that I had the facts about Veterans Day because the meaning of American holidays has been getting lost uh, amidst all the corruption and the, I guess you could call it a left-wing phrase, cultural misappropriation of America. And so all the more reason to hold fast to the great traditions of America. There is nothing wrong with boundaries, language, and culture, and there most certainly isn't anything wrong with holding on to American values because nobody that I know of voted to get rid of them. Nobody voted to get rid of Christmas, to uh, uh, turn our country over to globalist elites. None of that. I don't think we had much of a choice. Therefore, it is very important if we want to keep this country, we got to keep our traditions and values and principles and, of course, Constitution alive. One of those things is Veterans Day. And uh, so I'm going to just uh, uh, lay it on you about Ve- Veterans Day. I've always known that the 11th day of the 11th hour, the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month is supposed to be Veterans Day. It always was before. And of course, like everything, people have tried to change that. So far, they haven't succeeded. So that's pretty good news. In the USA, Veterans Day annually falls on November 11th. This day is the anniversary of the signing of the armistice, which ended World War I hostilities between the Allied nations and Germany in 1918. Yes, it's important to know this history. Yes, it's important uh, to celebrate and honor veterans, and they are honored in all wars, all those living veterans who've served in our military are honored today. That's, as you know, don't want to insult your intelligence, but you know, kids and others are not getting taught this stuff. Um it's a very different thing than Memorial Day in which we honor people who gave their last full measure to this country to help it, to contribute to helping it remain free. Never has that been more important to pay attention to. But uh, uh, let's see. So Veterans Day is observed on that day and it is intended to honor all military personnel, sorry if I'm repeating, but I must say so, so important, who serve the United States in all wars, particularly living veterans. Now, let me just give you one more little paragraph here. On the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918, an armistice between Germany and the Allied nations came into effect. So it was November 11th, Uh, 1919, that Armistice Day was commemorated for the first time, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the day should be filled with solemn pride in the heroism of those who died in the country's service and with gratitude for the victory. There were plans for parades, public meetings, and a brief suspension of business 
activities on that day. Cut to, I don't know how much of this I was able to hold on to, but it is interesting that they have, uh, that governments over the years have tried to change Veterans Day to a different day to make it more convenient for all of us, just as uh, just the same way that they combined um, Washington's birthday and Lincoln's birthday into, quote, President's Day, a nondescript, benign, nothing of a day, and they made it on Monday so we could all have a three-day weekend, therefore ruining and uh, 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 destroying the meaning of paying homage to our founders, founding fathers, the founding father of George Washington, that is, and a great president, Abraham Lincoln. So every time you change something, something's lost in the translation. And I'm enough of a traditionalist to know that there are some things, or to believe, and I still do, there are some things that are very important to hold on to. Uh, and and uh, we need to hold on to them. As you know, just about every American holiday has been um, uh, changed, corrupted. Uh, the radical left, which now controls the Democrat Party, has hostility for Columbus Day, for heaven's sake. And they have uh, been chipping away at the meaning of all American holidays, including Christmas and uh, Thanksgiving, New Year's, they haven't gone after yet because people like to get drunk, so I guess that's okay for them. But destroying our traditions, destroying the meaning of holidays. Now, they tried to do that with Veterans Day, and they did not succeed. So I read that Gerald Ford uh, actually restored Veterans Day to the 11th day of the 11th month, uh, because that's the meaning of the whole day. And as I say, some things just deserve to be, uh, uh, to remain. And what deserves to remain more than anything else, <laughs> you know, from the uh, sublime to the ironic is the United States of America itself. What has helped and kept America free, holding fast to the Bill of Rights, holding fast to the meaning of America, and that is individual liberty and individual and personal responsibility and government of, by, and for the people. You don't have to be a populist to love and revere this country that has been a beacon of liberty for people all around the world. And they've changed that meaning too. Many people believe the Statue of Liberty is a statue or a commemoration of immigration. It is not. Didn't mean to, didn't plan on mentioning this. No, the Statue of Liberty was revered by immigrants who came here and it had, and, but the, the, Meaning of the Statue of Liberty was that a gift was given by France to the United States to stand up as a beacon of liberty in the harbor, uh, in New York Harbor, uh, to celebrate liberty itself. That's a lot different than the poem that was uh, written, and I forget her name, nice Jewish girl who wrote a poem. She, <laughs> I can't remember it. Forgive me, I will remember um, uh, I've studied her, my name, my word, uh, the name is escaping me for the moment. Uh, and she won a poetry contest for, uh, to put a, uh, a plaque and a meeting on the Statue of Liberty. So it's important to know that history. I'm hardly a historian, but it is pretty important. So Happy Veterans Day. Thank you for your service, veterans. We will not, we won't, and we do not want to forget your service to our country. That being said, I looked for Good News Friday. I love Good News Friday. Uh, and uh, Friday is good for a whole bunch of things. What I like to look for, and I was afraid it, it didn't exist, but by God it did, on... Um, uh, just a second, I will get it for you. Uh, Sydney Powell puts out 
a Good News Friday newsletter, which you can get from Defending uh, America, and you can look that up. And this time I wasn't sure she was going to, because I usually do get a notice about Good News Friday. And there's a couple of really important things to mention, especially, or at least to focus on, especially since the so-called mainstream media, and they're not the mainstream media, they're the propaganda media, uh, won't report it. And here's one coming right now from the Gateway Pundit. Headline, big day for Trump-endorsed candidates that fake news media will not report. Nine losses, and are you ready? Are you sitting down? 174 wins so far. According to the propaganda media, former President Donald Trump did not see the victory he had thought the endorsement would create on election night, but that's not accurate. Trump already has tallied more clear wins than defeats. Uh, this past Tuesday, President Trump posted on his Truth Social account the results of the midterm elections, boasting that his favorite candidates had 174 seats and lost nine. That being said, I just want to take uh, the opportunity to mention here, we're already seeing the fear-mongering and the media hysteria um, setting up a, a, uh, a, a fight to the death between uh, Governor Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. Some of that was done because Donald Trump is already nicknaming Ron DeSantis. I will register my displeasure with that. I would love to see a Trump-DeSantis ticket. I think it would be tremendous, but I keep seeing news over and over again that Ron DeSantis might be uh, getting support and funding from the never-Trumpers to unseat and go after Trump and therefore split the party. The party is not split. The never-Trumpers are really a very tiny percentage of the population. Oh, I'm just getting started. So what I say is reserve judgment, let things, uh, let the dust settle, and let's not make any snap judgments here. Uh, that's what the media wants us to do, so let's not do it. I could say more, but I gotta go. You have heard that music. We got a terrific couple of guests coming, so stay tuned. You're listening to Spouting Off on WSMN and all across the country. Stay tuned. You're listening to Spouting Off with Karen Gadoline. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. Every MyPillow is made with passion here in my home state of Minnesota to ensure you get the best sleep of your life. One of the things that I really like about MyPillow is the support. It gives my neck a little hug. I've never slept better in my life. What's better than a great night's sleep? Call or go online to take advantage of my best offer ever. For a limited time, when you use your promo code, you can get premium MyPillows regularly $69.98, now only $29.98. With our 60-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. Sleep well, America! Call 1-800-867-0416 and use the promo code RAM, R-A-M. That's 1-800-867-0416 and use the promo code RAM. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Not too long ago, it felt good to withdraw your cash from the bank, didn't it? For a vacation or a new car. But today, withdrawing your own cash has become risky. Pat Boone here for Swiss America. According to The Secret War, a Swiss America white paper, I learned that all banks are now required to spy on you and me for the government and then report any financial behavior deemed suspicious or unusual. You must read The Secret War. It's free. Thanks, Pat. Call now, toll free, 866-883-2741. That's 866-883-2741. Truth is, I believe the government's new war against cash is really a war against us all. But the secret is now out. So please, get and read The Secret War. Call now, toll free, 866-883-2741. 866-883-2741. 
866-883-2741. That's 866-883-2741. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, he's been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them, but I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me, and my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Sign up for Karen's newsletter and read her columns at karencataline.com. Now back to Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. Welcome back, everyone, to the Friday edition of Spouting Off here on WSMN and on stations, various select stations around the country. We're working on growing those, but we are very, very proud to broadcast out of our flagship station, 1590 AM, WSMN, 95.3 FM, Nashua, New Hampshire, the live free or die state. And that doesn't mean we want to die. It means we want to live free. Um, Our next guest, our first guest this hour uh, is somebody that I haven't talked to in a while and never has it been more pertinent than now. Texas did very well in the elections. Articles, uh, in fact, in the Good News Friday uh, edition that I was mentioning earlier, uh, articles have been written that said uh, if the radical left wanted to turn Texas blue, they have another thing coming because Texas became strongly red and, of course, I hate those colors because the Democrats are really red. They're communist red. That being said, let me welcome our guest to talk about the Texas Nationalist Movement. Uh, It is an organization dedicated to establishing Texas as an independent self-governing nation. Uh, TNM, the Texas National Movement, is the leader of Texit, the process behind securing Texas Uh, political, cultural, and economic independence. Uh, And Daniel Miller is president of that movement. He's the founder of the modern-day Texit movement, and he's author of the book Texit, Why and How Texas Will Leave the Union. Hi, Daniel. Welcome once again to Spouting Off. Hey, Karen. It's good to talk to you again. Well, it's good to talk to you. I love that Texas accent, as you know. Uh, my husband and I uh, are refugees from Colorado, and we moved to Texas. Uh, in light of good news, at least, in the midterms for Texas, why do you think or do you think people still uh, are thinking hard about seceding from the union? Well, they're, they're not just thinking hard. They're working hard. You know, the uh, honestly, the midterm results uh, sort of reinforced the position and the feeling of a lot of folks. I mean, they're you know, let, let's be honest. Uh, right now, as it stands, our our border policy, our immigration policy, inflation, all of these things are still going to be driven by a federal monster with two and a half million unelected bureaucrats. And, uh, you know, we're going to have critical issues here in Texas being decided by the likes of uh, Chuck Schumer and, uh, you know, that brand new Pennsylvania senator, Senator Shrek. And, um, <laughs> you know, that Texans here yeah. just, you know, we're, we're just we're watching this divide get even wider. And so, you know, for Texans to really sort of abandon the idea of Texas independence, there would have to be some hope that the federal system will somehow be corrected. But. You know, look, last 
50, 60 years of history have shown that that's just not the case. It's only gotten worse. So um, I think, uh, you know, Tuesday night was a big confirmation uh, for many people here in Texas. And uh, what we've seen practically, though, uh, since Tuesday night is that many of the people that were maybe a little tentative in their support uh, are, are in it both feet. I mean, they're in it to win it now. So, um, you know, it's been overall, uh, I think it's been an eye opener for a lot of folks, but for people here in Texas, it's just added more fuel to the fire and made us more ready than ever to get Texas done. So why don't we look at and drill down, what would that actually look like? What would Texas getting it done, what would it look like? What would it require? And how would that play out in reality if that actually were to happen? Yeah, look, it's important to understand that, that Texas is not an act right? Texas is a process. It's not a single event. It's a process. And really, that process got kicked off here in Texas uh, in 2005 when we founded the TNM and became a, a viable, legitimate political advocacy organization working to make it happen. And so, you know, you, you fast forward through this process of building support, connecting with Texas voters, and then you get what you got over the summer, which is a dominant political party here in Texas, the Republican Party, adding not one, but two planks to its platform calling for a Texas vote at you know the largest political convention in the world. And then right on the heels of that, you have the Survey USA poll that came out, the results of that one, that showed that 66% of likely voters would vote Texas out if Texas was on the ballot. Uh, and then, you know, you had a, another confirmatory poll that came out since then. So, you know, where, where we're at in the process is that next step, which is we need a referendum, right? Having support is not enough. Uh, as I tell our folks all the time, Sam Houston did not win the Battle of San Jacinto with a bunch of cheerleaders, right? <laughs> you actually have to take the field. You have to get it done. And for us, what that means is, is we need legislation, that will give Texans a vote on the issue that will put it on the ballot. So, you know, last session we had the Texas Independence Referendum Act filed in the legislature, uh, signed onto by six legislators, uh, no, no slouches uh, among the list. Uh, and, and I fully expect that we will have it filed when the legislative session starts in January uh, with a whole host of other legislators. But, you know, that's not a foregone conclusion. You still have to put in the work. So, Daniel, let's just fast forward a little bit. And, you know, yeah, this is speculation, but most people, every, every American grew up with America being America with 50 states. So they think, I'm sure, they can't even imagine what something like this might look, at, look like. Um, let's just say that voters in Texas uh, voted overwhelmingly to, for Texas. Then what happens? Well, so then, I mean, essentially, the day after the vote, nothing changes, right? But what it does is, is it essentially establishes the political will of the people of Texas. And there are some things in the Texas Independence Referendum Act, right? Uh, part of, part of the, the next step of the process is the legislation forms a legislative committee uh, with a whole sort of long laundry list of tasks that they have to accomplish uh, dealing with a transitional plan, right? So once the people of Texas go to the polls and vote, it, it's happening at that point, right? When they vote in the affirmative, it's happening. What what happens then, you know, the, the thing that is actually on the table is what that process looks like. And, and so we know that the process is divided into really four different sections. There's constitutional issues, statutory issues, international covenants, treaties, and agreements, and then finally the negotiated issues with the federal government. And so, uh, you know, the constitutional issues are things simply like how do we amend our Constitution to make it more suitable, our Texas Constitution, to make it more suitable to become a self-governing independent nation, right? You know, do we need, you know, we have to begin to uh, add in things to the Constitution that nation states that are self-governing get to do that states that are not part of the federal union are allowed to do under Article One, Section 10 of the U.S. Constitution. Then you've got statutory uh, issues that you've got to contend with, the expansion of some agencies, 
uh, some personnel changes. I mean, there's there's some things from a, a statutory perspective. Plus, you've got to fill in some gaps. By virtue of the fact that a state has been a part of the union for a long time, there's certain things that should be in state statute, but have instead been sort of left to the federal government statute to cover that whole. So we'd have to fill in those gaps. Then the International Covenants, Treaties, and Agreements is primarily dealing with signing on to various international covenants. You know, I mean, they're pretty mundane, uh, like fishing, you know, fishing uh, waters and, uh, you know, air traffic control, you know, things of those, things of that nature, right? So some of those international covenants, treaties, and agreements that are multilateral that Texas would want to go sign on to, we'd have to take a hard look at that. And then finally, you get to the negotiated issues. Okay. Um, Daniel, here's what I sort of think is the $63,000 question. <laughs> and, and, and that's this. Under relatively normal circumstances, I think it's reasonable to assume that the federal government um, would resist Texas uh, trying to secede from the union. That would be under normal circumstances, uh, because I'm sure, although I don't know every chapter and verse, uh, they would lose, stand to lose an enormous amount. Under the current circumstances, and I'm going to just cut right to the chase here, communists in our government never allow freedom anywhere near them. We're watching a kind of jackbooted thuggery across the country and, frankly, across the formerly free Western world, especially the global communists. Freedom is the biggest threat to people that want to subjugate others, and we talk about that all the time around here. Even if Texas did secede, there would be massive retaliation. Not saying that's not a reason to do it, but have you thought about that? Think in terms of uh, old Soviet Union communism. They did not want free countries anywhere near their communism, not so as not to give ideas to the already subjugated populace. How about that for a question? Oh yeah, Karen. I'm 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 a um, I'm a myopic uh, idealist. I never thought about that over the 25 plus years. <laughs> You're being facetious, it, right? No, no, yeah, and and me too. You know, I mean, look, <laughs> here's the and, and you, you would be surprised when people come and they, they it's like they're hitting us with some some brand new information. You do realize? Oh no, I know you know that. Oh yeah, I know you. But you know, but here's the thing: that's not a foregone conclusion, right? I mean, the the fact of the matter is, when you look at how this process carries out, right? No one's firing on Fort Sumter. Nobody's storming the post office in downtown Houston, right? What we're doing (laughs) is we're putting the question to a vote Mm -hmm. uh, of the people of Texas, right? Like we have seen in in a hundred different instances. Uh, over the last 100 years where these new nation states have, have been born. So, you know, look, look at the position that it puts the federal government in by following this peaceful legislative process. They have literally said that they will go to war with China to protect the independence of Taiwan. They will send our sons and daughters to fight and die for Taiwanese independence but yet, if the Texans go to the polls, when the Texans go to the polls and vote for Texas independence, you're saying that they are going to then send those same troops to come bomb the Walmart in downtown Houston. No, right? no, because no, they, that's not what I'm saying. Like, Please don't put words in my mouth. I never right, said right. that. Right. What I, I, know, said, I know what you mean. Yeah. But that but, is part but, of the criticism for people, right? They try to say uh, that. And, and it's basically I'm just saying that Texas. Form. Look, Texas and Florida are huge targets right now. Right. Because they won't go along with the shredding of our constitution and our bill of rights and our 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 freedoms guaranteed by God, not by men. Uh Florida and Texas are among the current government's biggest enemies and targets. They love Ranting on on Texas and Florida and any conservative state uh, because they must have total agreement. So I'm not suggesting any violence here. I'm suggesting, uh, you know, that 
<laughs> that we're already getting the kind of pushback just because uh, uh, we vote differently. Uh, sure. On September 1st, Joe Biden laid down the gauntlet to his political opponents, calling them semi-fascists and a threat to, quote, democracy. Uh, <laughs> but if yet that some people still want to be in you, a union with that. <laughs> if that I mean, doesn't scare you right down to your socks and realize this is not a unifying president, but a divider-in-chief president, and, and he's uh, answering to, let's just say, not the people, uh, then that's why I'm bringing it up in light of uh, your your movement, not because I want to throw stones at it, but because it's important to think about these things. No, look, and, and Karen, don't get me wrong. I mean, it, this is something to think about. But if we're if we're going at it from a from a real pragmatic perspective here, here's what you know. Taking the scenario that you said that Texas and Florida are already in the crosshairs from pushback. The question is, how do you stop that? Right? We know the neo Marxists and the communists and the globalists love to long game. And so as long as our states stay attached to a federal system, there will always be that conduit into our states that force that control. And, and they love incrementalism, although they have recently given up all pretense of incrementalism, right? That's correct. But as long yes. as we stay tethered to that federal system, that sewage pipeline will always be there to pump in federal dollars to manipulate. They will always have control over our border and immigration policy. They will always have control over our monetary policy. And so the question is, if you want to create a safe haven for all of those values uh, that we hold dear, the fact that rights are inalienable and that government should be limited, you know, all of those things that we think of as those American ideals or Texan ideals or whatever it is, then the question is, how do you continue to preserve them in a union that is willing to long game until they utterly destroy you? Well, the answer is you don't push back by putting Band-Aids on the gunshot wound. You put you push back by saying, we are going to become a self-governing independent nation like 200 other self-governing independent nations around the world, and we will preserve those things that matter to us, and you can keep the swamp over in D.C., and we will go with any other states that want to go ahead and make the same decision and we will Daniel, I hate to travel. interrupt you. We've got, you know, 10 seconds. What a fascinating conversation. Where can people learn more if they're interested in Texas for their state or just learning more about you in Texas? Uh, have them head over to texitnow.org. Very good. Daniel Miller, thank you so much. Fascinating discussion. Uh, and uh, good to have you with us. When we come back, we're going to talk some finances don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. I was asking God through prayer, seeking a good news source. I believe he showed me the epic times. I delivered the mail and came across an issue. The front page intrigued me and I subscribed. Now I cut out articles and give them to friends and family. I leave old issues at the library and around my community. We read it to our kids and love the positive messages in each article. So why do I think everyone should read the Epic Times? Because they're bringing back traditional values to this great country. Hi, it's Karen Cataline. It's been almost a decade since I wrote Fatlash Food Police in the Fear of Thin. It's about my early experiences in child beauty pageants and being put on extreme diets. Remember when that was shocking? Sadly, that seems like child's play compared to what we are watching today when politicians and woke corporations are actually advocating for the sexualization of children. Everyone's children. We're watching a frontal attack on childhood innocence. This is one story, my story. Fat Lash illustrates and explains why good boundaries are essential for kids to grow up healthy. They need their parents to set them, not the government. Get Fat Lash today. It's available in paperback or ebook at Amazon or at my website, KarenCataline.com. Are you tired of the same old snacks? Looking for something a little healthier than that bag of chips or candy bar? Even your average bag of trail mix these days is little more than peanuts, raisins, and candy-coated chocolate. Not very healthy, is it? Allow me to introduce you to White Mountain Munchies. 
Made from 100% all-natural ingredients, White Mountain Munchies combines unique flavors with nutritional value that will tingle your taste buds and strengthen and sustain your overall health and wellness. Eating good never tasted so good. From Maggie's Maple Madness to Hannah's Heavenly Harvest, Grayson's Getaway Goodies, and our limited edition Christmas blend, Jacoby's Jolly Jumble, White Mountain Munchies offers nutritious and delicious snacks that the whole family is sure to love. Pick yours up now through our easy-to-use online store at whitemountainmunchies.com. White Mountain Munchies, non-GMO when you're on the go. Karen Cataline got her parents to name her Karen before she was born so she could grow up to be a punchline. Now here's more spouting off with Karen Cataline. Welcome back, everyone, to Spouting Off. Boy, the show goes so quickly. If you'd like to listen live, if you're not already, if you're listening in New Hampshire or elsewhere, all you got to do is go to WSMN.live. That's it. And you can listen live uh, at the appropriate time. We have a rather large archive, which we're going to clean up a little bit, but you can access the website, uh, uh, WSMN.live. And uh, also I post our shows on my website, KarenCataline.com. We'll have other places you can find it in the coming uh, weeks and months ahead. I'm delighted to welcome now our next guest. John Tamney is author of The Money Confusion, How illiteracy about currencies and inflation sets the stage for the crypto revolution. Uh, He is political economy editor at Forbes magazine, no slouch of a publication, senior economic advisor to Toreador Research and Trading, and editor of realclearmarkets.com. John Tamney frequently writes about the securities markets, along with tax trade and monetary policy. And boy, there is a, and he's also on Fox Business and Fox News Channel often. We're glad and pleased to have him with us, John Tamney, here on Spouting Off on WSMN. Hey, Karen, thanks for having me on. It is great to have you. So, surely we, uh, we're still waiting uh, for the full results of the midterms. Uh, don't get me started. I already did get started. Uh, and and uh, inflation and other things were on the ballot. Uh, most people are pretty nervous and worried about the economy going into, well, post-midterms and after the holidays. Uh, what can you tell us about uh, what first, what you think is happening with also the diesel shortage, if that's real, and how ordinary citizens can attempt to protect themselves in these tough times? Well, I'll preface it by saying I think politicians on both sides are trying to change the subject. And I think that's, uh-huh. I would argue, that's why Republicans didn't do better on Tuesday. Uh, but let's go back 100 years, and, and, and you'll see quickly why I want to do that. Uh, when the 20th century began, uh, cars were rarer than millionaires. Um, what was Henry Ford's genius? He realized that if he divided up the production of a car among thousands of people, you could produce exponentially more on the way to lower and lower prices. Now think about that in terms of what, what happened in 2020. Politicians decided that, um, that people around the world were no longer safe to walk outside of their houses. We're no longer allowed to go to work. And so you had trillions of commercial relationships around the world eviscerated by obnoxious politicians who took our freedom. Is there any surprise that prices are higher today? When you disallow this remarkable miracle of global productivity? And so politicians are trying to say, well, the Fed did this or someone else did it. No, no, no. They did it. They took away our freedom. And command and control logically is going to result in higher prices. And the, the failure of politicians to, to address this head on and basically name names, name the politicians who locked us down, 
I think has voters really mad. And I think if Republicans had done this rather than talk about inflation, they would have won a lot more seats. I mean, again, notice um, that Ron DeSantis and, and Governor Kemp won big in, in their states. Why? Because they didn't follow the lockdown narrative. Uh, either before or after the midterms, they didn't. Um, I, I don't want to go down the primrose path of whether the elections were fair, but you're absolutely right to the extent that Republicans in general could toot their own horn for being more freedom conscious, certainly than the radical left during the pandemic. They didn't punch that hard enough. There's no question about that. But what about the runaway insane inflation and printing money of the last two years. Hasn't that had a, an enormous effect on inflation? Uh, I don't think so. And, and let, let me, this isn't me trying to be contrarian or difficult, but were you alive in the 1970s? I was. <laughs> yeah. Well, so was I, not to let's not yes, age ourselves. I was. I, inflation is a devaluation of the currency. It's a shrinkage of the currency. Well, so what has happened in the last two years? You've seen the dollar rise against the euro, the yen, the dollar, the pound. You've seen it rise against gold. This would be the first inflation in the history of mankind in which the currency wasn't devalued, which should have people questioning it. I think the voters are very smart. I think voters get it, and I think voters are still insanely mad about what happened to them, where they were quite literally locked into their homes and told that if you go to work, we will arrest you. I couldn't and agree I, more. I could not so agree I, more. There's your high prices. Because when you take away the ability of, of, of this remarkable global capitalist system to produce together, prices are going to rise by definition. And yet they keep trying to change the subject. And so I'm wondering, what were Republicans thinking? Why weren't they pounding the table about this horrifying taking of freedom that was excessive? Because let's be clear, what if this had been the bubonic plague? Okay, we know it had, it wasn't. But the more threatening a virus is, the more important freedom is. Because who needs to be forced to be careful if something out there threatens? Do you need to be forced to not kill yourself on a daily basis? Do you need to be forced to not get sick on a daily basis? Yet politicians locked hands and said, the people can't be trusted. They need to be locked down. Have you ever been so insulted in your life? Well, it, it goes much deeper than that, and we talk about that all over the place around here, and so much of it was deliberate because it ushered in uh, a totally new relationship with uh, uh, of citizens between citizens and their government. Suddenly, uh, for your own good, and it's for you know, and this is for your health, uh, was the excuse for robbing us of the most basic liberties that human beings have, particularly in America. That said, and I agree with you 100%, are you saying that the insane amount of spending and printing money that the, the radical left, which now controls the Democrat Party, has had nothing to do with the kind of inflation we are seeing right now? Government spending is a tax by definition because it's the process whereby Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell and others control precious wealth created in the private sector. But it's not inflation. Inflation is a devaluation of the currency. And what I would say to you in response is that where was all this talk of inflation if government spending is the cause of it in 2020 when President Trump signed into law a $2.9 trillion spending bill that subsidized the very lockdowns that you and I are so against? Could the states have ever locked down if the federal government hadn't paid for it? I think you know the answer. I think we all know the answer. And this isn't, look, I think Trump didn't believe in the lockdowns, but I also think he's not president today because for the first time during his presidency in 2020, he decided to not like act like Donald Trump. What he should have said is any state so foolish as to lock down will have me there every day campaigning against a governor who believes that the way to fight a virus is to, is to crush an economy. I agree. Had he stuck to his guns, had he uh, acted like Donald Trump, we're not talking right. about elections because he's still president. And so at some point, we have to point the finger inward and say, wait a second, why did the Republicans do this? Why did they borrow so much money to subsidize lockdowns?
Okay, so let's let's try to get to the heart of the matter because this is a fascinating conversation. And for many conservatives, many of my listeners, they really do believe that all this insane spending was responsible. So help us get to the nub of this. What, well, what is happening with inflation but a strong dollar? And what can little peasant investors do about it to protect their... Uh, uh, little nest egg and their assets. And do you think we're going to recover from this? I mean, I don't see it happening with the tax and spend left, but you tell me, what am I missing? Well, we're always going to recover. Let's never forget, you never bet against the American people. I'm just saying that this is not inflation. This is the bitter fruits of lockdown that has prices higher today. Um, Government spending, look, Find a, if you can find a person who's a bigger enemy of government spending than I am, um, I want to meet this person. It, by definition, is a tax on economic growth. Sure. Um, I would just say to you that it's happened under both parties. Um, and, and I would say in this case, inflation, we know what it is. It's when you shrink the currency. It's when you devalue it. It just hasn't happened this time. But people what are about experiencing higher prices. Rising hmm? prices and what... What can they do about it when their dollar is buying less? Uh, you know, you want to fix rising prices, you allow people to get back to work. By definition, the, the capitalist system that brought prices so low in the first place will bring them back lower. Well, again. we're not in a lockdown the, now. People are back to well, work. I know, but and it, yet it, it we're takes... subsi- let me just say we're subsidizing people not to work by the same tax and spend Democrats who love socialism over capitalism. Okay, but, Karen, I hear you, but remember, the subsidizing of not working happened when Donald Trump was president. He signed the bill into law. So look, I agree with you. It's wrong, but let's let's get the focus off of partisanship and say, hey, wait a second. Both sides really gave us a bad deal. Now, broadly, remember when Obama said you didn't build that and how insulting that was? To me, it's equally insulting when they say, oh, you know, prices are higher today. It must be inflation. Let's blame the Fed. Look, the Fed is is full of empty suits. But prices are higher today because they locked us down. To pretend that you can get back to those prices overnight, the prices that prevailed before they robbed us of our freedom – insults workers and and insults the capitalist system as much as Obama saying you didn't build that. It takes time because these these commercial relationships among billions of workers around the world were built up over decades, and then politicians destroyed them. You can't get back to the genius of low prices right away, but let's get the focus on this. And, And don't you, let me be clear, politicians, including Republican politicians, are loving that you're talking about inflation. Because it takes the focus off of what they did in 2020. You and I know what they did, Democrats and Republicans. Once you take the focus off, politicians will love you for it. If you can blame some other for this tragedy, they're going to love you every minute. But it's not going to get us the truth. John, we have about less than five minutes. Talk to the small investor now. How do they navigate, if you can? I don't know if this is quite in your ballywig, but but what are people to do who are nervous and scared about being able to even put food on the table right now as to what the economy might look like, I don't know, six months to a year? Most people believe we're headed into a severe recession. Well, you you know, most people, most uh, most economists also believe that war causes an economy to grow. So I wouldn't listen to the experts who claim they know what the economy is going to look like. Look, the reality is that Americans only know how to grow. Does that mean that there aren't times that the individuals who comprise the economy are struggling? Well, of course there are. Uh, Have you ever made mistakes that you wished you could have back that that basically harmed your personal economics? Well, so what is a recession based on that? A recession is just a time in which we correct the mistakes that we're doing wrong, the the things we're doing wrong. So recessions, if anything, signal growth ahead if they're allowed to happen. Now, I don't think there's any strong evidence. They're not allowed to happen when you shut down our pipeline. (laughs) They're not allowed to happen when you open our borders and empty our prisons. Just saying. Well, again, Uh different subjects and everything, but broadly what I would say is that when people are free and Americans are broadly free, they're enormously productive. 
And so if you're a small investor right now, if stocks are down relative to where they were, any chance you get to own a bigger piece of the greatest economic engine the world has ever known, you get it. Because one thing we know, and I talk about this in all my books, is that Americans, these politicians, they're nothing to them. I remember in 2009 meeting with, a Paul, with an entrepreneur in Houston. I said, what are we going to do? He said, are you kidding me? I'm way too smart for Obama. And I'm way too, I was way too smart for George W. Bush. They can't keep me down. And that's how Americans think. And so Americans will fix this. And there will be enormous growth. But let's keep the focus on what caused these problems in the first place. It wasn't inflation. It was a robbing of our freedom. Yeah, well, and on this we agree, John Tamney. What a fascinating conversation. I have to say that that is what worries me most, is the, the constant growing not of the economy, but of the shutting down of people's liberty, which is still going on today and being normalized uh, every day. Uh, your thoughts, it, and then tell everybody how they can read your book. Well, it's the most important thing. And I think this is another wow. factor in higher prices today. Are you going to buy lots of inventory at a time when you know politicians can shut you down overnight? I mean, think Good about point. what entrepreneurs are supposed to do right now in light right. of what they did. They literally destroyed this great economic engine, or, or they severely impaired it in, in short order. And so what can you do? You can say never again. You can say never again will I so cheaply give away my freedom. And that's what Americans did in 2020. And let's be clear, the whole world looks to us. The whole world wants to live in the greatest country on earth. For me, I know you disagree with me. I think the fact that people show up wanting to get to the United States is the greatest compliment the U.S. could ever have. We can disagree oh, there disagree. While, I don't disagree while knowing that. that the whole world admires us. And right. when we so cheaply gave up our freedom, I think the whole world was saddened. And so never give it up again. What threatens doesn't call for, for taking away freedom. It calls for, giving, for people keeping more of it. And so let's not do that again. And in not doing that again, we can avoid such a tragedy again. Especially on Veterans Day, no truer words were spoken. We come to a lot of agreement there. John Tamney, how do we get your book, The Money Confusion, How Illiteracy About Currencies and Inflation Sets the Stage for the Crypto Revolution? You can get it on Amazon right now. It's, it's available uh, all those places. Uh, buy several copies. Give them out. It's a very short book, free of charts and graphs. It explains all that. Very good. John Tamney, thank you for joining us. Loved the conversation. Be well. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you. Well, that does it for us here at the end of the week, second week of November. Happy Veterans Day. Thank a vet. Have a great weekend and keep on spouting off. We'll see you next Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday next week when there will be more to spout off about.